Jesus rose again, that he has been exalted to your right hand, that he is going to be the one who is glorified from here on out, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so God, we thank you for that uh, beauty in that song. We thank you for the truth that is spoken of that in scripture. And God, we pray today that you would change our hearts that as we dig deep into your word, as we understand what you're trying to show us and what you're trying to speak to us, that God, we would apply that truth to our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, and while you're doing that, I wanna invite you, uh, and, and, and I know we introduced this last week. Some people are having uh, some issues or some problems. For those of you who are technologically challenged or don't have computers, I'm sorry, I got nothing for you. Um, but uh, for those of you who do, we wanna invite you. This is free for everybody. Everybody who comes to our church at any point in time, you can give it away to your friends. You can give it away to family. You can give it away to coworkers. We want you to grab one of these. They're on the back table. If you go to our website, uh, you can click on our website, Go to extras, uh, so churchat3trails.com. Click on the extras link. Uh, you can download this app for free. It's called Right Now Media, uh, and you have access to everything under the sun that Right Now Media provides. So they have uh, Bible studies on marriage, on parenting, on youth, on, on leadership, on discipleship. You can get into the book of Mark. You can use it in your small groups. You can use it in your life groups. You can use it with your teenagers. They got a kids channel. You can click on the kids thing. Uh, your kids can, can go through devotions and, and Bible studies as well. So we want to encourage you to download this. Listen, we have locked in this price for the life of our church. In other words, we're paying so much per month for this subscription. And we locked it in at less than 100 people because we average less than 100 people on Sunday morning. But here's the beauty of it. That doesn't mean that it stops at 100. If we have 1,000 people using this, we're still paying a subscription for 100 people. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to invite your coworkers. Maybe, they, maybe they're not believers at all. Maybe they're like, look, I got no desire whatsoever. You can say, hey, I want to uh, take this. They can take a picture on their phone with their, with their camera. This QR code will link them right in there. They can create an account. They can download that app on their phone, on their iPad, or anything else like that, and they can use it. And I want to encourage you to use it uh, to, to further yourself as well. You can grow in your own Bible study uh, to grow in discipleship in that way. You can lead your kids in discipleship process through that. So we wanna encourage you to do that. I wanna take advantage of as many tools and opportunities we can to get in your hands so that you're growing deeper in the faith so that you know who Jesus Christ is daily in your life, not just on Sunday morning. So we wanna encourage you with that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Gal uh, Galatians, sorry. Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, um, and we're continuing our relationship series that we started last week. Now, for those of you who joined us uh, this, this Friday and Saturday, we had a great uh, marriage conference, just a simple called Laugh Your Way to a Healthy Marriage by a guy named Mark Gunger. Uh, you probably have never laughed so hard in your life. If you missed it, I'm telling you what, you missed it because it's good. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll reschedule it. We'll let you check it out. It is hilarious. Um, he's very point blank, very hard hitting, very encouraging. Um, he basically goes at it so that men are engaged as well as women. Because th let's be honest, most men feel like when you go to a marriage conference, you feel like you get beat up and everybody lifts the woman up. All right. This one was great to be balanced and encouraged to help us understand each other. But as we kick into our relationship series or continue our relationship series, we're going to talk today. Now we're going to 
obviously gear this towards marriage, but I want you to evaluate the standards with which you operate in all of your relationships based upon what God says here. So in Genesis chapter two, I got Galatians on my mind for some reason, and it's obviously completely part of the the book of the Bible. What's that? What? Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and stand, sorry. Genesis chapter two in verse eight. You're throwing me off. Genesis two, verse eight. Listen to what he says. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of the land is good. Uh, aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the uh, Gilhan, or Gihon, sorry. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And in verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, and he says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must What? Not, there's a key word there, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So you can have a seat. Let me pray and we'll continue. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you for the fact that you wanna speak to us through it. God, may we evaluate all our relationships from this, from this standard, from the standard that you've set from the beginning. God, we know that relationships can be messy, they can be complicated, they can be complex, but we know that you want to work in and through the relationships that we have to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Did you know that God wants you to be successful in your relationships? Matter of fact, some of you may not think so because it may be the way you grew up. Maybe your family is broken, maybe it's, it's struggle, maybe there's a lot of complexity, maybe you think that relationships just being broken and complex is natural and it's normal, but the reality is most relationships are complex, most relationships are complicated because of the simple fact that we don't operate under the guise or the standard with which God sets up. We operate under our own standards. See, relationships can be complicated and difficult even when they are a biblically-based marriage relationship or a relationship period. Marriages run to complexity. Matter of fact, we, I always say this statement. If you hear me, if you've been around the church long enough, you're gonna hear me say this, that churches flock to complexity like ducks to water. But I want you to think about this. Most relationships run into complex situations because it's just natural. Why? Because we have individuals involved who have all kinds of baggage, all kinds of problems, all kinds of situations, all kinds of scenarios, and they've been raised in different households, different families with different morals, different values, and different qualities. And so relationships flock to complexity just as much as churches do just like ducks to water. In other words, when you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a business relationship, or a marriage or dating relationship, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna have complex problems. Problems that are gonna arise that you're gonna go, oh my gosh, what the heck? 
I didn't marry, I didn't want to marry into this. Matter of fact, I didn't agree to this when we got married. But now all of a sudden the baggage is coming out and I'm really not liking this whole scenario or situation. And the reality, what the world would say is, hey, once the baggage comes out, once everything's been laid out on the table, if you don't like it, what? Get out, leave, flee. You don't need to worry about it. Just leave. It's, it's, it's a contract. It's not a covenant. It's, it's a way to go. But, and you know, as I talk about complicated things, every relationship has complications. But every relationship also needs to have goals to pursue in order to grow stronger. Matter of fact, I would say that a Christian should look at every relationship you have and ask yourself, what is the goal that is, is in this relationship? My relationship with my boss should have a goal. In other words, if your boss isn't a believer, that you would work your tail off to the point that you're showing your boss what it is to be a Christian, what it is to follow Christ, and how I'm going to, listen, benefit my boss and the business because I'm gonna work my tail off for him. I want him to know that I am for him, not against him. And what I found that when my dad owned his own business is most people don't approach work that way. We approach work like this. Well, that's the big man, stick it to him, just give me my paycheck. I'm not gonna listen to you, I don't care what's going on because I don't value your business, I value the money that you give me. And when we approach a relationship, a marriage like that, which is usually what happens because that's the way we are raised. Look, I don't value you as much as what you bring to me that gives me benefit. In other words, my friendship, what do you, you know, maybe you've had that friend and, and, and they always are the, you know, the, the leech, the bloodsucker, the one that always takes advantage of you, but when you call them up and you're in need, guess what? Maybe they don't answer the phone, maybe they don't have what you need, maybe they don't have time to, you know what I'm talking about. Every relationship is complicated. And every relationship should have a standard with which we operate in. See, the reality is this. If you look back into Genesis chapter one, it says in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You guys get what's going on there. A lot of times we focus on this idea where he does say we're made in God's image, but you forget about the fact that there's a relational connection between the father, the son, and the spirit at the very beginning of time. Why? Because it says that the father is the one who came up with, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. But then as a result, it says that he, and and the spirit hovered over the waters, but he spoke into existence everything. Everything he created, he speaks. Well, how does he speak? Through the word. Matter of fact, if you go to Colossians chapter one, it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All things were created by him, through him, and for him. So there's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit evident in verse one of Genesis chapter one. And then in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So he's laying out this idea that relationship is a key factor within humanity. See, here's the beauty of God's creation. In everything that God created, God spoke it into existence except for who? Man, Adam. 
Instead, it says he formed and fashioned us. It carries this idea of an artist with clay. It carries the idea that he makes us in, he molds us in, he needs us into the creation that we are called to be, that he wants to make us into. He's done that. He makes us in his image. But likewise, listen, as a result, now listen, introverts, you're gonna be hating me when I say this. As a result, you're called to be in relationship with other people in healthy relationship with other people even. The problem is most of us carry a lot of baggage into a relationship, don't we? I mean, we struggle with our background, with our upbringing, with our moral standards, maybe the standards that our parents did or didn't raise us with, maybe the standards with we, maybe we learn in, in the church or maybe we learned in the hallways of the school or the locker room. Relationships can be complicated. And so I believe wholeheartedly that in order to be successful in our relationship, that God gives us goals or priorities. He gives us guardrails to keep us in line, to show us exactly what he wants. See, God's desire is to be the one before he gives us the one. Matter of fact, that's today's big statement, big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. God's desire is that he is the one. He is to be the one before he gives us the one. See, here's this problem. In today's world, we got this mentality or this idea that if we find a certain individual, then my life is, in the words of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. no. That's the problem. You are trying to fill a void within your life with somebody that was never meant to fill that void in the first place. Listen to me. You are complete in and of yourself. This is the beauty of why Paul, as a single person, was successful in life because he didn't need marriage to complete himself. He only was to be complete in and of himself in Christ. In Christ alone is what makes you complete. Now, listen. We're gonna jump into what he says here. It's not good for a man to be alone. I believe wholeheartedly that there are people who are called to be celibate, who are called to never marry. I believe that God gives them extra strength, extra endurance, extra faith. Well, I don't know about extra faith, but he just gives them something more where they're like, look, I'm, I'm never gonna marry. But listen, for those who marry, those who are going to lead into marriage, it's not a bad thing. He literally is saying this. It's not good for you to be alone. And what we have to begin to understand is the lie of Satan is this, that you can do it on your own. As a matter of fact, in American theology to a certain extent, or in American teaching, what is the old adage? Oh, just pull up your bootstraps and get to work. You can do it. But you're not meant to walk alone. And the beauty of the church is this, the beauty of the church is the relationships you build within the church. Now listen, everybody's gonna go, yeah, but they're messy. Well, duh. Show me a relationship that isn't messy outside the church. I believe wholeheartedly this, that we're still gonna have messes. We're still gonna have struggles. We're still gonna have conflict. It's how we go about dealing with those struggles, those messes, and those conflicts that makes a Christian relationship with other believers different than a person who's not a Christian and doesn't relate well with other people. See, the beauty of it is that when Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus rules your life, then you look at relationships differently. So the big idea is this. Again, God's desire is to be the one before he gives us the one. Now, 
Here's the question I wanna ask. If God's goal is for me to have a relationship with him, then I wanna ask the big question though, what are God's goals for our relationships? What is God's goal for my relationships in my life? What does he have set up? Why is he working this direction? What are the goals for my relationship? My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with with people I play softball with or my relationship with coworkers, my relationship with my neighbors. What is the goal that God has for me in those relationships and how do I begin to function? And here's the big thing. Number one, I'm gonna give you five things. I think these are goals that we can begin to work for or understand what God has for us. Number one, God wants you. This is a goal. God wants relationship with you. That's the goal. His number one desire in everything is to have a relationship with you. It's never been anything else. God's goal from the get-go was a relationship with you. The reality is, in the scripture, when we see it, when we look at Genesis chapter two and we see the big picture, it says the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man, the man he had formed. There is a relational connection here that Adam at this point is on cloud nine in reality because he's got a perfect relationship with it. We all know later in the story that Adam and Eve realized they're naked before, but Adam's just walking around and be like, hey dude, what's up God? Adam gets to do whatever he wants. Why? Because there's no sin, there's no issues. There's, he's got a straight, good, straightforward, honest relationship with God. No problems, no issues, no difficulties. God put him there and God wants a relationship with you. And now we're gonna chase a circle here just a little bit today as we begin to unpack this. But God wants to be in a relationship with you first or with you and God wants you to be in relationship with him first. See, I believe the reason we want to be isolated, alone and away from others is because that's exactly where the enemy wants you. Listen to me, and, and this is a problem for everybody. Listen, I'm not saying you don't need alone time. Could be people look. If there's, the, I'm an extrovert, but there are times I'm like, God, I just got to go away. You got to leave me alone. Matter of fact, on Thursday I get to go up to the mountains in Wyoming. Y'all ain't gonna be able to reach me because my cell phone is not gonna work. Just warning you. <laughs> okay, so if you call. Yeah, just don't worry about it. <laughs> so that's my alone time. Now, am I gonna be with my family? Yep, but that's alone time. It's time to get away, it's time to unplug, but that's not what I'm talking about. See, most people wanna walk through life or a lot of people wanna walk through life separated, isolated, to, to kind of peel back and peel away because the reality is a lot of times relationships suck the life out of you. And so we begin to isolate ourselves. As a matter of fact, do you know what the first step out of the church usually is? For those who are involved in church, the first step is always this. In order to isolate themselves, they begin to withdraw from any sort of activity within the church. And that is nothing more than Satan wanting to isolate you off. Have you ever seen the National Geographic shows where, where a lion and, or, or a, a pride of lions is hunting like a, a water buffalo or a wildebeest? Anybody ever notice what happens or watch the wolves with elk in Yellowstone? I've I've watched some videos on this. Do you know what they do? They find a weak one. They kind of isolate it off. They try and get it away from the herd. Why? Because the herd, when the herd is around, there's protection in a group of people. But when you isolate the one off, then the pack or the pride can pounce on the prey. 
And that's all Satan wants to do is if I can isolate this one, if I could just get him away from the pack, get him away from the body, then I can pounce on this person and I can destroy the very person that God has called them to be. I can isolate him, I can keep him away, I can fill him full of lies, I can lead him to mistruths, I can lead him in the direction I don't want him to go and therefore they're gonna fall. God wants a relationship with you and listen to me, not just with you, but number two, God wants relationships for you. What is God's goal? For you to have relationships with other people. Healthy relationships even. So God wants a relationship for you. Number two, look at verse 18. Chapter two, starting in verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. See, everything was good. Everything was good. Matter of fact, if you go back, he he created the sun, the moon, the stars, it was good. He creates the earth, it was good. He creates plants and vegetables or or, or trees and things like that, it was good. He, He creates the sky, it was good. He creates man, it was very good. But then he comes to this part and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Listen, when you isolate yourself from everybody else, and I'll even say it this way, that in a marriage relationship, when you begin to isolate yourself from your partner, from your, your husband or wife, it's not good. You're gonna go down a path you were never intended to go down. God wants a relationship with you, number one. Number two, God wants relationships for you, number two. We need to understand that. See, listen, and I said this earlier, all the introverts are wanting to hide, they're wanting to get out, they wanna get the heck out of Dodge, but God doesn't want you to be isolated and alone, but rather to be strengthened and encouraged by others in the church, the relationships you need to have. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes chapter four says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Ecclesiastes four, verse nine, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. But then listen to this in Ecclesiastes four, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, if you wanna succeed, you can work together with other people. So when you're isolated, you're not gonna be succeeding. But when I can work with another person, I have a problem, I have a struggle, I have an addiction, I have a dependency, I can go to another believer within the church and listen to again what it says, that when we labor together because they have good return for their labor, that we will be successful. So we don't wanna be isolated, we don't wanna be alone. And listen to me, this has to be something, this has to be the ping on the radar. When you begin to isolate yourself from others, you begin to set your own self up for failure. Matter of fact, the very minute things I know about the addiction and recovery thing is that they tell them the importance of the relationships they have, that they can reach out to somebody. They can call somebody. They have somebody that when they're struggling with that addiction and maybe something has overcome them, maybe they're tempted or maybe they've even gone over the line and they've violated or went against it, they've, they've, they've gone back in time. They need to reach out to another person because isolation always leads to problems. But relationships 
And when I have a good, healthy relationship, then God wants those for me and I can succeed. Why? Because together we can carry it out. Listen to me. We talk about this over and over and over again, but God's desire is to be the one before he gives us the one. And a lot of times, we talked about this, a lot of times we think if I just find the right person, everything's gonna be okay. The problem is that's not reality. Matter of fact, when you get married, problems just become what? Larger, bigger. They just seem to be more noticeable. You know, what, what, what? More frequent, right? Right, yeah, yeah. The problems just begin to come to the forefront. Maybe before you overlooked it, why? Because I could get out of Dodge. I'm gonna drop her off at, at her house or at her dorm and then we're gonna be away for a little bit. You're married, you guess what? You're waking up next to him, maybe, unless you're down on the couch. I mean, the reality is God wants relationships for you, but he wants to do them in a certain order. Listen, number three, what are God's goals for our relationship? I believe this is something wholeheartedly. Number one, his goal is to have a relationship with you. Number two, his goal is that, that he would have relationships for you. In other words, with other people. Number three, here is a goal that I believe God wants us to have, that God wants us to know that he places us where he wants us. He places you where he wants you. So many times we look at our past and we go, oh my gosh, I should have never, listen, you can look at every situation, every circumstance and go, I should have never. But you also have to understand this, that God places you where he wants you. Listen again what happens in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden. In other words, he placed him there. He, he put him in a place to do something, to accomplish something. There was something he was to accomplish. And listen to what he says. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What does that mean? <laughs> right? Not complicated, is it? Listen, listen to me. God places you where he wants you because he wants you to do something out of that. Where you're working at, God wants to use you where you're working at. Why? Because he placed you where he wants you so that you can work it, so that you can tend to it, so you can take care of it. Too many people walk into the church and go, he's the pastor, I can't do this, when the reality is that you should be the pastor at your local place of work day in and day out. You should be the one that people come to looking for direction, looking for hope, looking for salvation, going, why are you so different? Why do you work this way? Why do you treat us this way when we're at work? I still stand by this, and I wholeheartedly stand by this, and maybe it's just because I'm a little jaded. I wouldn't call it jaded, but I believe that Christian owners, business owners, should be the best people to work for as well. You know how many times I'm accountant, and I know I'm using personal stories, but I want you to think about it. You know how many times my dad's accountant came to him and said, you gotta stop doing this. You're losing too much profit by taking care of your employees. And I went, really? He said that to you? Dad's like, yep, that's an account for you. He just looks at the dollar. You know what's funny is that my dad kept his employees for years. You wanna know why? Because he took care of them. And I believe wholeheartedly that when you take care of the people that are around you, when you tend to them, now listen, I'm not just talking finances. My dad was a pastor to these guys. My dad was a father figure to these guys. My dad invested his life into the men who worked for him for years. And I got to learn so much that when my dad's funeral came in January to watch 
and see how many people came out of the woodworks. It's the largest funeral I've ever been to. I was like, whoa. This is awesome. Why? Because you tend to the flock. You tend and take care of the people you're around. God placed you where he wants you. And you may not like your placement. And you may have to look and go, okay, maybe I need to change my placement a little bit. Maybe that you, maybe you are so secluded and so isolated and not listening to God that your placement needs to be changed because you're not where God wants you to be. You're where you want to be. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling or leading you into? Where is he leading you in that direction? Where is he trying to put you and maybe you're trying to sit back and and say, I don't wanna do it. See, where you were placed can be looked at as a problem, but God wants to use you where you're at. And that's exactly what he does. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And let me ask this question. Do you work the relationships? Do you invest in the relationships. As a matter of fact, I looked up this definition of a goal and I wanted to, to give you this, but the definition of a goal is, yep, nope, deleted it out of there, sorry. But a definition of a goal is working with a desired idea to meet a directed aim. In other words, I'm working with a desire to meet the direction or the aim with which I'm going. And God has planted you where you're at to work it to work the relationships you have. And listen, I would even say this to this point. Do you work on your marriage relationship? Listen, most men, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go down the way that, that our thing didn't go. Most men go, well, why do I need to work on it? She knows I love her. Showed her when I got the ring on. This is, this, these are my buddies. I'm just gonna tell you. I showed her I loved her when I asked her to marry me. Why do I need to do that every day? <laughs> and, and you're like, Really? Is it really that bad to show your wife you love her? Do you work the relationships? Do you invest in those relationships? Why? Because God places you where he wants you. Number four, uh, if he places where he wants you, I want you to look at this, that God provides for you what you need. I wanna look at these things, these ideas, but I want you to begin to settle in and understand that man's purpose was to provide spiritual service to God. When he talks about working and take care of it, so he places them there, he puts them to work, he, whatever work Adam did was to service for God, and then listen to number four, God provides for you what you need. Listen to verse eight. Now the Lord God had planted the garden of Eden, or in the east, in the east, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's what he says. God provides for you what you need. God planted Adam where he was supposed to be. In other words, he put him in the place. But yet, listen to the beauty of this. He also provides for him. And here's the problem. Here's where the, the rub comes. Again, what he says, he made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and were good for food. So here's what he's saying. I have given you everything you need. I have given you all the provision under the sun. I have met the need that you have have cried out for. I have given you the most beautiful trees that you could ever look at, that you could eat. And all I can imagine is the, the time I spent in the Navy, I remember going into China, and I may have shared this story before, but I remember going into a market in China, 
And if you've ever been to a market in China, it's, it's not what you're used to going to Hy-Vee. I'm just going to say that. All right, this market's dirty. They got chickens, live chickens over here. They got snakes, all kinds of snakes. If you want a cobra, you can go get cobra. They got fish in these little buckets, and they're alive. Like, you go up and take a fish, they take the fish out, clobber it on the head, put it in a bag, hand it to them, and off you go. You go and fix your meal. And I walk up to this produce area, and there's this thing that's like this big. It's like the size of a cantaloupe. Only it looks like a grapefruit. Now, we're in the middle of China, and the only guys, there's a couple of us Navy guys who were taking this tour and the, the, the tour guide who's not even close to us. And I'm like, man, I wonder what that is. I look at one of the guys, I wonder what that is. And this lady goes, it's like an orange. I'm like, who are you? She knew English. And so I bought this thing, this big, it's an orange. And to this day, I haven't found an orange that beats it. I'm like, can I just go back to Hong Kong? Well, it was China. We were in Hong Kong, took a tour in China. Can I just go back to China and get me an orange? Because there is not an orange that I have found yet that compares to the flavor I tasted on an orange. And all I can imagine is that God plants Adam in the middle of this garden. He gives him all the provision under sun. He's got the best trees to eat from. He's got everything he ever needs. And he says, you got one thing you don't do. I got one provision or I got one thing. I'm providing everything for you, but I got one thing you don't have access to and I'm not gonna give it to you. So we begin to see, listen, that God provides everything you need in your relationships. He provides himself. He provides you wisdom to know how to treat your wife or how to treat your kids or how to treat your neighbor. He gives us direction with his word and how to respond to those who we are building relationships with or how to respond to those we might be in conflict with. But God provides everything that you need in that relationship. But I find it ironic is this. That in the midst of the provision, we always push the boundaries. And listen to what he says in verse nine at the end, or sorry, in verse uh, 16. And he put, the, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must what? Not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Listen, in our relationships, I believe that God sets guardrails or parameters for us to follow. God sets these parameters or these guardrails for us to follow to protect us and to keep us on the road. And the easiest thing I could ever remember, when my, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, he was a pastor out in Grand Junction, Colorado. We went out to visit him one summer, and Sarah may remember this. We decided to take a tour out to Colorado National Monument. Anybody ever been there? So Colorado National Monument is like a mini Grand Canyon. Instead of being like 2,000 foot drops, they're only 800. And we're driving along in his truck. It's a big Dodge pickup truck. I'm sitting in the back seat on the right-hand side, passenger side, back seat. I got no control. And we're winding this road right, I am not joking, in certain parts on the edge of Colorado National Monument where like, I'm thinking we're going over. And what didn't make sense is this. Sometimes there was a guardrail and sometimes there wasn't. And those guardrails are put there for protection. As a matter of fact, as we're driving along, I'm like, man, anybody ever driven off this? And my sister's like, yeah, some lady last week drove off, got in a wreck, drove off and died. I'm like, 
Why are we driving this road? And I don't like it because I have no control. I'm in the back seat. I'm looking up and we're coming up to these edges. I'm like, oh, he's going too fast. We turn the corner. I'm looking down. All I can see is straight down. I'm like, this is not cool. Why? Because the guardrails aren't up. I'm not liking the part where there's no guardrails because I feel like I'm out of control. We're losing it. But God sets up these guardrails or these parameters for us to keep us on the road, to keep us from falling off the cliff, to keep us from going off the abyss into our own desires, into our own things. And he sets it up and he says, you can't eat from this one tree, but you got everything else. And what's the first thing that usually happens in our lives? We go right through the guardrail. We go past the parameter. We say, I don't need that. And I'm gonna use this as an example because when it comes to a marriage relationship, what we find ironic is this, that our teenagers, the kids that are growing up, even in the Christian household, we're not setting up the parameters and guidelines, understanding that God has parameters and guidelines in relationships, including marriage. I had a lady tell me one day, I used to teach Sunday school. I used to be a leader in the church and I don't go there anymore. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? Well, they, they just became too judgmental. And so over time, I got to know her. And we started having a conversation about guardrails and parameters. And she tells me the story about how when her son, raised him in the church, grew up and became 16. And she told him she knew that he was gonna go out and do things that, because it's just the way teenage boys respond. And so I gave him things to help him out. Instead of teaching him the biblical parameters that God set up for a marriage relationship, I just said, hey, I know you're gonna go do this, so I wanna respond in a worldly fashion. And listen to me, this is how it creeps into all of our relationships, is that God sets a parameter on our relationships and we begin to violate it. We begin to step away from the guardrail. We begin to drive through the guardrail instead of looking at the guardrail as protection, we look at it as a problem. And we fly off the cliff and we're halfway down screaming out, God, why would you do this to me? When the reality is God set up the parameters and guidelines for you to protect you. find it ironic that the very first man went right through the guardrails. And I know the argument's going to be, well, the woman you put him there with, that's the one who led the problem. But the reality is, and I'm just going to kind of step on some toes, is that we, when we as husbands don't lead the way with our wives, not in a subservient way, but a mutually edifying way and we lead them to follow Jesus, then that's the route that goes down the road. That's the road we go down when we don't lead. So Adam could blame her all she wants or all he wants, but the reality is Adam wasn't there to protect her. Adam wasn't there to lead her. Adam wasn't there to guide her in the right way. And so we begin to look at this. So God sets up these parameters. And listen, in our lives, God has given us parameters and many of those parameters have been broken. Maybe you've gone down that wrong way. Maybe you drove off the cliff. But listen, here's the beauty of it. Remember what we talked about, how God wants you to be in relationship with him? Here's the beauty of this, that when you violated the parameters, when you've driven off the cliff, when you went through the guardrail, guess who is there to catch you? Jesus, because Jesus is the relationship that we can have with God. 
Through Jesus, we now have a relationship with the Father. And through Jesus, we have a relationship with the Spirit. So that anybody who is in Christ has the Spirit in them and has a relationship with Father because it's only through Jesus that you can have a relationship with God the Father. So when we drove through, when we ignored the parameters and drove through the guardrails, guess who is the one who saves you? Guess who is the one who is right back there in the relationship aspect? It's Jesus. Why? Because he paid the price. He was the guardrail. He is the one who is gonna pay the price for you. He's the one who went off the cliff so that you wouldn't have to go off the cliff again. And so here's just simply how I wanna close. When you broke through those guardrails, God saved you from death through Jesus. And I just wanna ask this question. Is, is Jesus the number one priority in your life? Is a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ a desire in your life? Do you desire to have that relationship with him? Because the reality is this. When we talk about it, going back to the sermon title, this whole idea is to be with the one before the one, to be in a relationship with God before he's ever gonna provide us the one that we desire for. If, if I wanna lead my wife well, if I wanna lead my children well, then it all stems from, it, it, it's a response from the relationship I have with the Father. So maybe there's some conflict in your relationships. Welcome to the real world. The question is, how do you respond to that conflict as a godly husband, as a godly father or son or coworker? Are you running to God first? Are you getting the fill from, her, from him first? Are you getting the wisdom from him first before you go to those individuals? Or do you run and do it on your own? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope we have in Christ. We thank you for the fact that you have set up these guidelines and these ideas. God, you desire a relationship with us. You have relationships for us. And that's the beauty that we don't have to live isolated and alone. But God, with that, you're gonna provide. You've placed us where we're supposed to be so that we can serve in a timely fashion, so that we can love those who are around us. God, maybe it's an impact on a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker we need to pray with, whatever that is. Maybe it's a husband or wife we need to encourage and, and, and love on. But God, I pray today that we would begin to see the value of the relationships. We'd begin to see the value and importance of our relationship with you. And as a result, because of a good, strong, healthy relationship with you, that we can pour our lives into those around us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.